The following segment is from the Palpably Unfair podcast on the SB Nation NFL Show, where we're discussing your favorite team. Subscribe to the SB Nation NFL Show to make sure you don't miss conversations like this one. News broke that the Miami Dolphins have benched Ryan Fitzpatrick in favor of their fifth overall selection in the draft from Alabama to attack of Iloa. This came as a shock to many, including myself. Fitzpatrick was playing some doggone good football, was coming off three wins in four games. The Dolphins are, however, coming into a bye, and the feeling was this is bound to happen eventually. Here, here's where I'm at with it, Kyle. And if you're listening at home, you can't see my tinfoil hat, but trust me, it's there. We all saw Andy Dalton and the lifeless Dallas Cowboys get trounced 38-10 to 10 on Monday Night Football by the Arizona Cardinals. Who better that could be available at this point in the season to give CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, and Michael Gallup a fighting chance to make plays than Ryan Fitzpatrick. If I'm Dallas, I am 100% making this call. If I'm Miami, I'm hanging up three times in a row until I know Dallas is serious and wants to make an offer I can't refuse. Because I don't think Dallas will be able to offer enough. I don't think Miami will entertain anything that's a, that's like, like a late round pick. They want Fitzpatrick there to mentor Tua. They want him there as a safety net. Uh, the fact is they just you know have portions of the playbook, like, for instance, uh, a lot of RPO stuff they probably want to do, that they can't really fully utilize with Fitzpatrick, uh, that they feel that they can with Tua. And Tua is, of course, the future, and I get all that. And, and you look around the league, and, and you see what Joe Burrow is doing with the offense with the Bengals. You look at what Justin Herbert is doing after replacing Tyrod Taylor on a whim. Still... If, there, if there's a second wave of shock to come out of this, a move to Dallas makes the most sense to me. It's a long shot, but Dallas has to do something because the gap from Dak Prescott to Andy Dalton proved to be way larger than many people thought when the rubber met the road on some of those takes, which is what we thought, me and Kyle thought, would happen when we laughed about those takes on this show last week. Uh, Kyle, I put a lot out there for you, but what's your, what's your takeaway from all this? Yeah, first of all, for those of you that thought there would not be a drop-off from Dak to Dalton... You should deactivate your account and never log on the internet ever again. Dak is so good before the snap. Like that matters in the NFL. Dalton just didn't look like he knew what was going on. The issue, and you mentioned Fitzpatrick. If I am the Dolphins GM, I'm blocking anybody with a Texas area code. Dallas Fort Worth two one. If I see two one four pop up, nope, decline, deny, because there better be a damn good offer because he needs to, first of all, Tua has his fresh off an injury history. So he has an injury history and he's fresh off, you know, missing last year. So you have to have that support and you have to imagine Fitzpatrick is going to help Tua in the meeting room. Like he's going to still be a supportive member of that team. I just couldn't imagine moving on from Fitzpatrick knowing that Tua is going to probably have some a rough start just because he's a rookie quarterback. So yeah, I would not move on from Fitzpatrick, but it's a great idea because if there's a quarterback who could help, and Dallas, they're going to need a lot more than a Fitzpatrick. But, right. I mean, who better than to throw back shoulders, to throw just to get rid of the ball? Because we've seen Fitzpatrick black out and play really well these past few weeks. The Cowboys have enough players, playmakers on the outside where get him the ball, step and throw. And Dalton's just not that guy. Fitzpatrick, he does not care. He's going to hang in there and he's going to do whatever he can to at least give you a chance, like you said. So there's going to be so much going on, I'm sure, with the trade deadline. But if I'm Miami, I am just clutching on to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, and I agree. You mentioned the mental part of it, the mentor part of it. I mean, I covered the Eagles. I saw how important Josh McCown was to Carson Wentz last year. Ryan Fitzpatrick has done that for a number of quarterbacks throughout his career. You mentioned the injury history with the hip with the broken wrist, right? Tui is not the most uh, durable guy in 
Collard, so you definitely need that backup. Uh, Miami looks like they're trying to make a play to make a serious playoff run. They think that Tua can do more, at least more consistently with the offense. They can open things up a little bit more and not just rely on that hot hand magic uh, that, that Fitzpatrick has. I don't even mean to do that. But to continue to talk about this a little bit more, and we're going to get into some nerdy details with our resident quarterback expert. We're going to go to an interview with my bud Mark Schofield of Pat's Pulpit, also the QB factory that you can listen to over at BGN. He covers quarterbacks all around the league, covers the league in total for touchdown wire. So let's talk to a with my buddy Mark Schofield. Let's pitch that right now. And joining me, as I alluded to before the pitch to here, is Mark Schofield of what? Uh, Pat's Pulpit, Touchdown Wire, BGN. We do a show together. Yeah, we do a show together at BGN, the QB Factory. Yeah. You're you're everywhere. And there's a reason that I brought you on here today because you're the QB expert that I trust the most, that I trust with my life. And me and Kyle Posey were just talking about the benching of Ryan Fitzpatrick to bring in the rookie to a tag of Iloa from Alabama is now the starter for the 3-3 three and three Miami Dolphins. Miami making a move to the future. What was your initial reaction to this, Mark? Because mine was a bit of shock, but then it started to make sense as I started to think about it a little bit. Yeah, I was pretty much in the same spot as you, Mike, because initially it's like, this is a 3-3 three and three team. This is a team that's in second place in the AFC East. This is a team that has won some impressive games in the past couple of weeks. And it's not like Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing poorly. He's playing pretty well. So why are they making this change? This is a team that's arguably in playoff contention. If you're Brian Flores, you make this change and say Tua struggles, you might lose the locker room over that. But then like you and I sort of take a step back, you start to realize that this was probably the plan all along. You sit back, you look at Miami's schedule. This is their bye week. This is almost the ideal time to make this switch to a rookie quarterback because you get that extra week of preparation to get them coached up, to get them ready to go, to install a game plan. And now they get to come out of the bye. They play Arizona, the Chargers, and the Broncos, and the Jets, and the Bengals. Like That's a pretty soft part part of the schedule for them. And so it almost seems like this was the plan all along. And you did get the sense sort of as you start to work through the machinations of their schedule and the bye week that this was going to be what they were going to do. They were going to use Fitz to get to the bye, get to this part of the schedule, then make the switch to Tua, and they stuck to their plan. And if it is indeed that was the case – then a lot of credit has to go to Brian Flores to stick it with the plan rather than saying, look, let's just scrap this. Things are going well. Yeah. Because you drafted Tua to win for the next 10 years. You know, you're not trying to win right now. And so I think if this was the, indeed the plan preseason and they're sticking to it now, it shows you that there is an organizational vision to win for the next 10 years, to get Tua ready to do that. And they're not going to just throw things out the window because they're three and three right now and they think they can make a playoff run. So if that was the plan, hats off to them. I think it's it's great and it shows organizational vision, which you want to see from a team with a young quarterback. I also think too, you look around the league and I told this to Kyle, but you, you look at what Justin Herbert, the boost he was able to give to that Chargers offense. You look at what yeah. Joe Burrow is doing with the Cincinnati Bengals and you think maybe there isn't you know a real drop off there. You mentioned the soft schedule. He's got time to kind of get into a rhythm. I I think this Miami team is tougher than a lot of people might think. Like, we're used to them being the easy out. Brian Flores is coaching this team up to be 
a contender, if not now, then at least down the road. So I like their prospects there. Let, let's talk about how the offense might change because we know Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Harvard pre-snap, DeVry University post-snap. You know, right. uh, with Tua, I think the, they do different things with the playbook. I had mentioned uh, RPOs to Kyle. What do you think changes with this Miami offense? How does it look with Tua as opposed to Fitzpatrick? I think at the outset, one of the things you have to consider is if you're a defensive coordinator, say you're you know, a, a Vic Fangio or somebody like that's going to have to defend this team in the next couple of weeks. You have to think differently now because obviously you mentioned the RPOs. There's also Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick is athletic enough. He can do some things with his legs, but two is at a different level. And so short yarded situations, red zone situations, you face some difficulty now. Do you play man coverage? If you do, you give two other chance to run. Do you play zone coverage? Okay, well, then you're in a situation where you might be exposed on RPOs or you might give this rookie quarterback a chance to make some easier reads and throws because he can decipher your coverage pre-snap. So it changes how you have to defend them. That's number one. And number two, I do think the RPO structure – Looking through Miami's offense yesterday after this was announced, I only saw like 10 or 12 true RPO plays from them this year. They could dial that up number up a big time notch, you know, because obviously that was to his bag at Alabama. Alabama ran a ton of it. You know, it is a good way to get defenders into conflict and then make easy reads and throws off of them. You always are in a position to make the defense wrong no matter what they do, because if they do this, you do this. If they do that, you do that. And so I think that opens up that part of the playbook for Miami, and it gives them a chance to finish off drives with touchdowns. They're a bottom 10 team right now mm. in red zone touchdown percentage. And so when you have athleticism at the quarterback position, the ability to do some of this RPO stuff, you change field goal drives into touchdown drives, that might win you a game or two more than you were right now. And so short yardage situations, red zones, RPOs, like I think all that stuff changes now with Tua. So the big thing is the uh, talking point that I saw on Twitter when this happened, you know, Dan Orlovsky alluding to the fact that, hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick's getting rid of the ball quick, and he is. Per PFF, 2.23 seconds time to throw on average. You know, Fitzpatrick, pre-snap guy, if he sees one-on-one with Devontae Parker being covered by Brian Allen on the outside, he's going to just take a three-step drop. He's going to chuck it up and he's going to get the ball out and he's going to kind of mitigate those issues with the Miami Dolphins offensive line. Does the RP, because I think Tua coming out of college, correct me if I'm wrong here, outside of the RPO structure does hold on to the ball a little bit too long trying to make things happen. But does the ramp up of that RPO game kind of help protect the quarterback too to help him from getting killed out there? I think in large part it does because when you're running these glancer routes off of RPOs, it's basically a glorified slant, you know, and that's – I would highly recommend if people want to understand what two is going to do, you can find an RPO clinic from Steve Sarkeesian, his coach, his OC at Alabama on YouTube that talks about all the different ways they were running RPOs at Alabama and how Sark was running them at Atlanta when he was with the Falcons. And so you can see how quick these concepts come together. Also, you're exactly right, Mike, the sort of I see cover one, I'm throwing a nine ball to Devontae Parker – I don't think that changes with Tua. Yeah. I don't think that goes away. He's still going to have those opportunities. I do think that Tua in college would hold on to the football longer than he needed to. He would try to make things happen, rely on his legs, play a little bit of hero ball. There's a, a woeful interception he threw in the red zone against Tennessee. You can look it up where he's running around back there and throws it to like triple coverage. It was horrific. One of the three interceptions he threw, largely his worst interception. He has to eliminate that. 
He has to rely on getting the ball out quickly. Orlovsky's point is spot on, but I don't think it is going to be an issue because those RPO plays will be there. They will force him to get the ball out of his hands quickly. He will still have those one-on-one opportunities. He's going to see a lot of cover one. You know, teams play a lot of cover one in the NFL. So I think that will take care of itself in a sense. My theory was that Dallas should call Miami about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but that Miami should hang up the phone on him. Do do you agree with that on both sides? Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I think if you're Dallas, you're making phone calls right now to two AFC East teams. You're, you're calling Miami to see about Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I think you are calling New York to see about Sam Darnold. Mm. I, I, because Adam Gase is going to get fired any moment right now. And yeah, New York probably holds on to Sam Darnold, but a new regime might want to go in a different direction. We've seen that before. So why not? Maybe Joe Douglas decides, I'll take you know, a first and a second or something ridiculous yeah. if he'll give it to me. You know, why not? You know, swing for the fences. But I think if you're Miami and that phone call comes in and you see Jerry calling you from the yacht, you hang up that phone. Yeah. Because this is a team that is three and three. And this is a team that is arguably in playoff contention. Brian Flores deserves a ton of credit for what he has done. I can't, I don't think we can overstate what they've done on the defensive side of the ball, loaded up on corners. You yes. can never have too many. It's like pitching baseball. You can never have too much of it. And if, say, Tua struggles, you can go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick and still probably win games. Yeah. If Tua gets hurt, because that is something to consider, you're going to want a guy to go back to. So, yeah, Dallas should call. And, yeah, Flores should hand up. Make sure you don't miss our next conversation by subscribing to the SB Nation NFL Show wherever you get your podcasts.